Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution built for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headache at tax time. For a limited time, try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, visit GetFreshBooks.com now and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of high-quality, easy-to-follow video tutorials, including many about photography. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, just visit lynda.com twip. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP4. This week on TWIP, Lightroom goes mobile. Sony reveals the A7S. Canon charging customers to repair known issues with the 1DX. It's Wednesday, April 9th, 2014, and this is Twitch. Welcome back to TWIP. Frederick Van Johnson is on assignment at NAB at the moment, so I'm your guest host, Valérie Jardin, and this is episode 355 of This Week in Photo. Joining me to discuss the topics of the week and more are Martin Bailey and Jeffrey Totaro. What have you been up to and how are you doing? Martin, let's start with you. I'm doing great, thanks. It's, uh, it's been a, a busy time. I've you know, got, rid of, got, out, got past all of my winter business and I'm starting to, to get into a few other tasks. I've actually just set up a... Um, I keep getting requests for, to do the, the Pixels to Pigment workshop that I did a bit of a world tour with in 2012. So I've actually set up an in-studio version of that uh, that we're going to be doing in May. So if you're in Tokyo, um, it's, it's something that if you want to optimize your workflow and learn how to print without uh, pulling your hair out, then take a, look at, uh, take a look at that on my website. Oh, that's awesome. So you're doing it in the comfort of your own studio. And yes. I, I assume you're taking just a small, small group then. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my studio, I, I call it my studio. It's more like my office, but it's got space for where I actually set up a small studio when I need to. Um, but it's nothing like a commercial studio. So really, I mean, the most people I can fit in here comfortably is five. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I've got a minimum of three. If three people sign up, it'll go ahead. And I've already got two signed up. So if people are in Japan and, and uh, want to come, it's May 17 and 18, the weekend. Um, so if, you, if you're interested... I've actually I've got a short link. I might as well plug this while we're talking about it. But uh, if you go to mbp.ac/p2p, p number two p, uh, for pixels to pigment, uh, then all of the details are there. Oh, that's awesome! Well, that's really great, and and uh, it's good for you too because it's kind of nice to uh, to stay put for a while when you're traveling so much. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, I've had a, a pretty wild winter as usual, and and I although I love that I'm I'm really settling down now. I've, I'm doing a lot of different things, uh, stuff that I put off. Um, I'm uh, I'm helping to test and and get a new uh, fine art printing fulfillment and website building company um, 
off the ground. It's I've got no investment in it, but it's a friend of mine's doing doing that, and I'm I'm putting a lot of time into that as well. So it's nice to have the time to to do these sort of things. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome. Well, good luck with that. So only a few spots left. So people sign up now. And yeah. Jeffrey, what's uh, what have you been up to? Well, first, it's nice to be on the on the podcast with with both of you and finally meet you both. I um, have been on a few times in the past, but I don't think we, maybe you and I, Valerie, were on yeah, once before we were together. Once, maybe? A long time yeah, ago. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice, nice to be together again. Um, for me, I, I was uh, doing a shoot last week in Orlando, Florida, which is certainly a nice getaway this time of year from uh, from where I live near Philadelphia, uh, shooting a, a retail space down there for a client, and um, also in Florida back in February did a. I do a yearly uh, workshop at the uh, Palm Beach Photographic Center, and it's uh, architectural photography is what I do. So it's a uh, it's a five day workshop, which is nice. It, you really get a chance to get into some, into the in depth topics and coverage. So we did that, and maybe the third week of February, I had a nice group of people. Um, actually, someone from France. Oh, really? Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who just moved to New York, but uh, he's he's cool. still a Frenchman. Uh, so uh, so that was a lot of fun. It's always um, it's always a fun thing to do. It's it's nice, obviously, a nice time of year. It's a it's in the winter and in February and in Palm Beach, so that's always nice. But it's also a good opportunity to uh, to meet some new people. And uh, I'm a more or less self taught uh, photographer. I learned um, certainly a ton from the the person, uh, my mentor, Tom Crane. But um, uh, as a sort of self taught photographer, it's it's nice to get back and teach these workshops. And um, Sounds like I'm in good company with the workshop set here. Yeah. So, um, and also I'm doing a, what I call a sort of bespoke uh, workshop uh, coming up in May. And I say that because it was a gentleman contacted me from um, uh, from Michigan and wanted to uh, have me out there to teach a, a small group of people that he knows uh, about architectural photography. So I'm, I'm really look, looking forward to that because I've done the workshop at Palm Beach and I've done also a phase one workshop. And then this will be something that's much more custom, uh, much more... Uh, just, just sort of different. It may be a little bit out of the box and uh, different people, different locations. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah, workshops are, are fun. I'm, I'm just finished one in February, and I'm actually heading to New York City this weekend to teach a street photography workshop, and and um, I just love it. It's so fun. How many do you do <laughs> a year, Valerie? I think I have nine or ten scheduled this year. So wow. I had nine <laughs> last year, and they all filled up. So that was really good. Yeah. How many people do you usually run? In um, I started with twelve when I started a few years ago. Now I'm I found that. Uh, when I'm solo, eight is a perfect number. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I like New York, I'm actually co-leading it with James Mayer, who's a New York street photographer. So then we can take 12 to 14 because it's two of us leading the workshop. So um, so that that helps because we can keep it at a reasonable price because there is all the travel cost and everything. But but yeah, otherwise, when it's just me, uh, eight to ten is the most the most I want to handle for a week because then everybody gets good quality time and and one on one time, and I think that's that's perfect. And it's easier, I think, to have a smaller group by yourself yeah. than a bigger group with an assistant. I find so um, so it's 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 working it's working well. I I love it. Great. And actually, I'm just back from San Francisco, but that was a a family trip for spring break with the kids, and actually got to hang out with Frederick and also with Doug K. So that was a blast. Mm. And mm. Um, so I'm heading out to New York this weekend, and then two weeks later it's Chicago, and then um, and then I do Minneapolis workshop. Those are weekend workshops in the U.S. And then uh, Paris in June for a week and. Pretty much nonstop then uh, until 
um, till October. So Great. it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and uh, trying to do some family vacations in between. So it's, it's all good. So before we jump to the show, I would like to thank our first sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that is FreshBooks. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution that's built for small business owners just like you. For a limited time, you can try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, just visit getfreshbooks.com and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And it's tax time. If you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. You're hunting for receipts. You're digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. It's the worst. FreshBooks is a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. And with FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a few simple clicks. Plus, you can work anywhere with FreshBooks using their mobile apps for your phone and tablet. And I use FreshBooks personally to manage the This Week in Photo universe by because you know it's kind of a one-man band here managing all the expenses and the invoicing and the clients and all advertisers, all that stuff. So FreshBooks is the back end to everything on This Week in Photo. It automatically invoices advertisers, it invoices everything, keeps everything in track, and when I need to run reports for tax time, it's a few simple clicks, and boom, I'm done. I don't have time, I wanna be a photographer, I wanna be out shooting, so FreshBooks makes it easy for me to just get everything done. And it's uh, it's it's just a great service, it's a godsend for getting things done as a very thin operation in terms of headcount. For me, if I if I knew known about FreshBooks when I first started this week in photo, a ton of headaches would have just gone away. I mean, we receive invoices from people using FreshBooks, so they, you know, when when we send things out, they look professional. We get paid online, so there's no hassle of mailing checks or anything crazy like that. So FreshBooks is awesome. And like I said at the beginning, for a limited time, you can try FreshBooks for free for 60 days. Just get started at getfreshbooks.com and enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section. And right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners and viewers an extended 60-day free trial just to make sure you can get through tax time in a breeze. They're trying to make everything easy for you. So head over to getfreshbooks.com, enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up and enjoy and make sure you know, you tell them that this week in photo sent you. So first story for this evening, Lightroom goes mobile. So on Monday, Adobe announced the immediate availability of Lightroom Mobile, an iPad app that will allow you to sync the content of your Lightroom library with your iPad. So this new app is available for iOS only and takes advantage of the smart preview feature. This will allow users to select and edit photos from their Lightroom catalog on their iPad and then have those changes automatically synced back to their catalog on their desktop. So this app is available to anyone who subscribes to either the full Creative Cloud offering or the Photoshop program for $9.99. $9.99 a month, which includes Photoshop, Lightroom 5, Lightroom Mobile, and so forth. So, um, did you guys get a chance to download this and, and see how it works? What What are your thoughts on this? Um, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, 
uh, people that were not too pleased that it's only for iOS and other people said, well, I'd rather buy the, I'd rather buy the software. I don't want it to be, um, you know, on a monthly payment plan if that's all I need. So I've heard a, a lot of different point of views in the past couple of days. So what are your thoughts on this, on, on this? Martin, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, I, I downloaded it, had a quick play with it. Um, I think it's got potential. Uh, it's not, I'm not really the sort of person to do, uh, you know, I'm not going to work on images on an iPad. It's just not my thing. It, but um, it's nice to be able to do it. It's nice to be able to look at images in the in your library. Um, the the one downside that I found is that when you you know now with Lightroom 5.4, I believe it is that they added mm -hmm. the support for this with. Uh, if you, I used to have a nice big full size ID plate. I had my MVP logo and then my company name. And um, it's a nice marketing space, especially when you're doing workshops and showing people your your screen. Um, but the the settings have taken that up, so you know you you can put it back to your uh, to your life your, your normal identity plate. But when you do that, it's actually cropped at the top because it, there's buttons that are hidden, and you know. So it actually restricts the size. I've had to create a new, slightly smaller logo for the ID plate. Um, it's a tiny gripe. I, I wish that it was it was not there. But um, apart from that, yeah, I mean, it, it's got potential. I think that some people will make a a lot of use of it. Um, as for you know the complaints about about uh, the subscription stuff, people are going to find reasons to complain anyway. So, I uh, for, for me, I mean, the thing is, is you know, obviously, I think that they'll they'll follow up with a maybe a. Um, what is it like an Android? I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure they'll follow up with an Android version, uh, but the it's business, you know. I mean the the iPhone is easier to to um, to develop for, and it's also a, it's a much more lockdown standard. With Android, you've got a you've got so many permeations of of the OS and and so many different uh, devices using it that it's much more difficult and time consuming to develop for. So. It takes time, and but I'm sure that Adobe are not going to just leave leave the Android users out in the out in the cold. So, do you subscribe to the Photoshop program? The creative? absolutely okay. Yeah. So you do use well, that. Okay. Well, for me, it made it made a lot of sense because I I used to buy the Master Suite anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's actually cheaper for me to to do the subscription, and I get um all, I get Lightroom thrown into the subscription. I used to buy that separately. Uh, in addition to the master suite, so for me, you know, I mean, I use a lot of the applications, um, so I'm paying the fifty dollars a month. It was thirty dollars a month for the first year, and went up to fifty, um, and it still works out a little okay. bit cheaper for me over over the cycle. And I used to upgrade every time as well, so that made a big difference for me. Sure. Okay. So that sounds good. So this works for only the latest version of the iPad. Um, or... I, I, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's. I mean, I've got an old. I've got a two. Uh, what have I got? It's it's the iPad, the new. Well, I think the one they called the new iPad. Um, so it's definitely it's not a newest, it's not a mini, or it's not a, not one of the most uh, recent models, and it okay. works fine. It so. works fine. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Jeffrey, how about you? Have you had a chance to try it, or what are your thoughts on this? Well, I don't. Um, I might be in the in the minority here, but I, I don't actually use Lightroom um, pretty much at all. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but but I do sort of keep an eye on what's going on in the in the space. I think that. This sort of uh, this sort of app is is really you know, pretty awesome in terms of being able to give people that functionality and the syncing back and forth from from mobile to desktop, and you know, if it works as it's intended to. 
And I think one thing, uh, at least from the way I understand it, it, it might be nice to, to be used for uh, even just a mobile portfolio, uh, whereas you could you could uh, establish a folder on your desktop that's portfolio images and just quickly update that if you're on your way out to a meeting, and then um, through the syncing just have it have it automatically appear on your iPad. I think that's one one possible really good use for it. Uh, I don't know that it's really set up for hardcore editing, and like Martin says, I don't. I, I personally, even if, even if I did use Lightroom or if or if Capture One, which I do use, had this functionality, I don't think I would use it for. Uh, really final and precise work, but I, I might use it for initial selections, uh, what I call prelims that I send off to a client. It might be very helpful uh, for me to, uh, if I was on a shoot uh, and having just shot a bunch of things to a laptop, to be able to put it right onto the iPad and perhaps at, uh, on a multi-day shoot, for instance, uh, you know, bring it to dinner and review it with the client or something like that. So I, I think that, uh, that the mobility, I think, is very nice. Yeah. And being able to... Uh, to have it sync back and forth as long as that works as, as it's meant to is good. But also, um, to Martin's point again about, you know, the iPad screen is not really set up very well. Uh, it looks pretty nice, but it's not really profiled. Um, I work on an, on an ISO display that's, you know, profiled once a week and I'm very particular about color and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I do recall something about being able to profile the iPad screen, but I don't know how well it's really set up to do that. Um, but I think it's... Um, it, it, it's a new a new app that I think you know is the way the future is going, and you know, the the connection between mobile and desktop I think is always going to be be an important one. And uh, to the Creative Cloud, I do I do subscribe to it. I have the the what is it nine ninety nine a month uh, option where I get uh, Photoshop and Lightroom. And uh, again, I don't really use Lightroom, but it's nice to have every now and then. I'll I'll use a tool in there. But I also think that um, you know the complaints about Creative Cloud. I understand you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to play per month, and it's, they're just trying to take my money and all this. But you have to look at it. I think anybody who's in, been in business for a while understands that there are, there are certain things you have to do to stay in business. And with how powerful software has gotten, uh, the, you know, I find myself not necessarily needing to upgrade to every version of Photoshop. Uh, there are certainly some nice tools that come up, but they, they're not big leaps and bounds anymore. And so most people might not upgrade until there was a system level change at the OS level where they're like, oh, no, this, my version doesn't work anymore. So then they would upgrade. So I totally get why they do it. Yeah. And uh, currently I'm supporting it. And uh, I just hope they don't start gouging people with the pricing. I think the $9.99 a month is, is pretty fair. And, uh, and the benefit is that you are getting the updates whenever they come out. So I, I'm OK with it. And yeah. I think anyone who understands business should be OK with it. Yeah, I think the, the $9.99 a month, I think, is is fair. I mean, with everything else we subscribe to every month, it seems mm -hmm. like a pretty small amount. Um, now, my my take on this, and I I'm a Lightroom Five user. I don't use my iPad um, much anymore because I have the um, the MacBook Air 11 inch, the newest one that's like feather light. So I travel with that. I have Lightroom 5 on this, uh, on it. So when I travel, that's what I use. I don't even bring the iPad anymore. The iPad is actually on my elliptical machine full time now. And that's my screen. I watch, you know, YouTube videos. I watch lynda.com, whatever, when I'm exercising and I, I, it's good use for it. But, um, I can see the, I can see the advantage for my workshops though, because Okay, I, I teach street photography mostly and not only, but my my student my workshop students now about two thirds of them come with mirrorless cameras, so they're traveling lighter and lighter, and um, and they have to bring either a laptop or a tablet 
to review their images every day. They're not going to be doing a whole lot of editing either. Not that we do a lot of editing and, and street photography anyway, but um, it's just that they still need to go through their images daily and then prepare a few for a, a critique session. And if they can just carry their mirrorless camera and the iPad on my workshops, they're going to be a lot happier. And uh, so, in a, and then they will do their their more in-depth editing once they get home. So I, I see the benefit of that for Lightroom because that's what most of my my students use. Um, and if they don't want to carry a lot, if they don't have a very small laptop computer, hey, if the iPad does the trick, I think that's awesome. So to me, mm -hmm. that's uh, that's really the the plus. I'm excited about that. Uh, and, and actually, Frederick is coming to Paris in June, and I have a feeling he's going to be bringing just his iPad with Lightroom on it. And uh, and he's going to be traveling light, so we'll we'll see how that works for him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is it possible? I, I guess I'm just trying to understand. Then, being a non-Lightroom user, so if you only have the iPad app, uh, you can you can then import the images from your from your camera directly to the iPad. That's what I'm I, thinking. I haven't I, done yeah. that, so. You know, I'm I'm not sure you can. I you may you probably can. I think I saw. I didn't play with it enough yet. I think there's a plus button where you you. You can add images, but mm -hmm. the main thing is that it's set up. Um, it uses the smart previews function in Lightroom, and so in Lightroom, what you have to do is anything that you want to sync with the iPad, you have to, to put, turn on a checkbox, a sync checkbox next to a collection. So it's you have to create a collection with the images in that you want to sync, and then turn on sync for that collection, and then they appear on the on the the iPad. So it's mm. and and then you can you can mess around with it and then it sends those changes back to the to the computer. So, um, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I I could I could have I should have brought my iPad up to the studio with me. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can add images and and then it syncs them back. But I'm not sure. It's the 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 part that I did look at was the the way how it syncs from collections and. Didn't really look at any more than that. Yeah. Well, PDN Pulse uh, has done a full review, and we'll link it to the show notes so people can uh, go back and, and look at that. And then, uh, yeah, let us know how that how that works um, um, in the comments if you're if you're using it now because that's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, it's it's all good. You know, I nobody needs to use it if they don't want to. But hey, it's available, so I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, story number. Do we want to add anything to the Lightroom mobile thing? No, pretty no, much covered no, it. I'm, okay, yeah. cool. Story number two Sony reveals the A7S. Okay, and Frederick did a first uh, look interview uh, with Sony at any. NAB, so we will link the video, and it's a like a 30-minute video, so it's quite in-depth. So this week, Sony unveiled the A7S. This camera is virtually identical to its slightly older sibling, the A7 and A7R. However, um, there are quite a few changes on the inside, and that's where it matters. I mean, looks is good, but... <laughs> It looks so good, but what's inside is actually what matters. So the A7S has an ISO sensitivity range of 50 to 409,600, <laughs> as well as 4K HDMI video output and professional video features such as 120 frames per second video at 720p. 
whoa, X A V C S, whatever that is. Uh, what is that's it? The, that's the audio. Oh, okay. I'm pretty. Oh no, hang on. X A. X L R is audio. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it's. It, I wonder if this is the new. Um, the new video format that they mentioned. Yeah, uh, someone, someone will let us know. Output per, interface because it's saying it's 50 megabits per second, right? Okay, yeah, 50 yeah. megabits per second. And an XLR audio input via optional add-on. Okay, so that's an optional. Okay, so uh, any thoughts on this latest from Sony? And uh, okay, what's this 4K? It seems like to be the big new thing. Um, and obvious, and I don't know much about it, so I hope you well, guys do. Well, 4K is not really the next big thing. It's it's um, it's become it's already out. A lot of people are using it already. I mean, even my um, my Go GoPros that are a year and a half old now are they 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 shoot 4K, albeit only at 15 frames per second. But it's um, it's 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 really it's already here. It's just taking a little bit of time for people to actually create products that that use it in a consumer space so i think that that's the important thing here uh that it's it's apart from looking at the video it's not going to be a very expensive camera um probably on par with the 5d mark three or so i mean it's not going to be cheap either but they haven't set the price in yet okay mm -hmm. okay so the the iso is impressive yeah it's 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 certainly I don't know what the ace, what the baseline for the A7 or the A7R is, but the, the four hundred nine thousand seems seems like seems like enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> seems like I, plenty. Um, I, I handled the uh, the A7 and, and the R at the uh, at the photo expo in New York in the fall last year, and I was very impressed with it. Um, and again, I, I shoot with you know, big clunky uh, you know, medium format cameras on tripods all the time, so I'm always interested in small cameras. But my other favorite camera is a, a Leica M9. And so when I see these these mirrorless cameras coming around, I get very, very interested. And what's got me extremely interested about the Sony, and it could be the, the A7, the R, or the new S, is that uh, with a relatively inexpensive adapter, I can put my, my Leica M lenses on this body. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they, of course, would still be manual focus, but uh, it, it's a, a, a higher higher resolution sensor than, than the M9 is. And uh, it has, I, I believe it has focus peaking, which is uh, sort of a live mask for when you're in focus, uh, which is nice with a manual focus lens. Um, but for me, I think this whole space of the, the mirrorless cameras is, is really interesting. And if you look, without getting into too much boring detail, but if you look at the sort of history of SLRs, even going back to the film days, the, the single lens reflex, uh, you know, the reason that that mirror is there is to um, help... Um, help you to frame the image so you can see through the lens and also partly to uh, pr protect the shutter and also to, to keep the film from being exposed to light. So um, it, it has taken a while, but I think this is really the, the, the pinnacle almost of the evolution of digital cameras in that um, we don't need that mirror mm -hmm. for, for digital photography. And, and it's so great to see these mirrorless cameras coming out because uh, obviously they're small and they have some other advantages, but the biggest advantage that I think uh, doesn't get talked about as much is that the the lens design can be changed substantially, especially for the wider lenses. Because if you imagine this giant mirror box in a Canon or Nikon DSLR, um, a wide-angle lens has to be pushed way in front of that mirror box, or not way in front of it, but further away from the sensor because of the mirror box. So you take the mirror box out of the way, and that wide-angle lens can be designed much closer 
to uh, the ideal symmetrical lens design without getting too nerdy. Uh, but what that means is less distortion, less, less, uh, less uh, straight lines that are, end up being curved and you know, pin cushion and barrel distortion, that sort of thing. So, uh, and getting back to the Leica example, when you look at the Leica lenses have always been held in very high esteem, uh, partly because they're just, you know, extremely well made, but also because they, they are uh, lenses that are made for a mirrorless camera. The M9 is mirrorless, um, even though no one really thinks of it that way. It's just a rangefinder. But so I think it's very interesting and exciting to see this evolution of these cameras. And I think that they're, you know, they're sort of just getting started, but I think more and more features are going to come into them and more and more lens offerings and faster lenses and better lenses. And so I'm very excited to see, to see what happens. And, um, I think we're almost at that point where you could almost hear Steve jobs. If you were making these things saying, are you getting it? Are you getting it? When he, when he <laughs> introduced the iPhone back in 2007. So Jeffrey, um, do you see actually in the near future using a mirrorless for your architectural photography? If it keeps making those it. leaps? I, I don't know that I would use it for what I do because uh, the system I use, the medium format, uh, I don't think that they're, they're, these two uh, systems are really competing with each other. Uh, the medium format on the technical camera offers me in-camera perspective control on the five lenses that I have and offers me you know, very high resolution at 60 megapixels and um, offers just a lot of different things that I like for specifically for architectural photography. But I, I, I am very interested in it. Um, as much as I love the Leica, uh, I think it would be fun to, I'll probably rent one of these things. I have to rent a few things from borrowed lenses in, in the next week or so, and I might have them throw an A7 in the box um, just to check it out. But uh, I think for travel and for, I do, uh, in, my, in my professional work, I do use uh, smaller cameras for sort of detail shots or even secondary shots if the other camera's dedicated to another shot. So um, I, I'm pretty close to, uh, to playing around with it. And if we get to the listener Q&A, um, I had a comment about that, about handling one of these cameras recently that I was very impressed with. So Yeah. Um, how about you, Martin? Have you, you haven't even really played with mirrorless much, have you, yet? I've played with them in the store. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're interesting to me, but as I've mentioned before, yeah. and I've mentioned this enough times, I'm not going to beat a dead donkey, but um, I, you know, I mean, for me, they're not quite there because there's a certain, you know, for, for the high-paced, high long telephoto... Yeah. Uh, wildlife wildlife work it doesn't quite cut it yet um but i mean it, it will very soon and the big thing then is going to be you know so do i sell my twelve thousand dollar 200 to 400 millimeter lens and mm. switch systems i mean i know that i can use it with the with the metabones adapters and things like that so there, there are ways that i might i might switch gradually um i would love to do, to use this sort of camera um, maybe the, the higher resolution uh, A7. The, there's one of them, one of them is 36 uh, megapixels mm. or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, I'd love to use that in Iceland. Um, you know, where I don't need the really long lens and or the or the fast focus. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're interesting to me. It's only a matter of time. Um, and if Canon keep doing things like they're doing, I might be moving quicker anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just uh, actually I've just Wikipedia'd uh, X XAVC, uh, and it is it's a a a, a Sony proprietary mm -hmm. video format um, that supports 4K. So that is the video component there. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. I um, suppose Martin, you you could put your 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 giant lens on this A7, right? You're saying with the adapter, oh, you I can could put any yeah. lens on it, right? Yeah, um, the thing is, is that even I, I'd need to, I, I wouldn't make, be able to really re replace my 1DX at the moment because it's just got to the point where the focusing is so snappy that 
it really, really allows you to get shots that weren't possible until now. Mm. Um, and I think that there are, you know, the, 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 although it's getting much, much faster and much more accurate, I, st I still think that the mirrorless cameras aren't going to be quite as snappy as something that's using that mirror, which is, which is uh, you know, basically what is giving the, the cameras the ability to, to um, focus, you know, direct the light onto the sensors and, uh, and focus as quickly as they do. But, I mean, everything else is, and also because you're using a, a digital v viewfinder, the evil, whatever they call it, the, um, they are, uh, they, although again, they're getting very, very good. I've played with the, um, the OMD5, a friend of mine has one, and I was, I was really impressed with how snappy the autofocus is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's really just a matter of time. It, it, it might be something, uh, apart from the autofocusing, the weatherproofing is something, that, but these, the, you know, more of these cameras are, be, are coming out that are weatherproof now. It's, it's probably just a matter of time. I yeah. think that unless Canon brings out something uh, very similar, I, I I do want full frame. That's another reason why the A7s uh, yeah. appeal to me. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Canon should be worried. Um, and hopefully they are, and hopefully they're doing something about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're great. And yeah, it, I think, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeffrey. I was going to say, I think in, in um, since since the A7 is, is sort of um, uh, manufacturer agnostic in that you can put you can put virtually any any lens on the body that it makes mm. it very easy for someone who's fully invested in a Nikon or a Canon system to say, hey, well, let me just get this A7 and I'll use that as a secondary camera and I can still use uh, you know X Y Z lens from from yeah. the, the system I already have. So it makes it very easy for someone to jump into it even though um, if, if you just end up getting the body. And I think that's, that's yeah. kind of what's tempting me in terms of the, the Leica side of it. And even, even I have a full you know, Canon 5D Mark II system as a secondary system and with tilt shift lenses and all. And I, and I suspect I could easily put the 24 or 17 tilt shift from Canon on this body. And uh, it would be rather than, because for me, I have the 5D Mark II, um, mm -hmm. rather than upgrading the 5D Mark III, I would very much consider the A7R as my, uh, as my secondary camera. Mm. You know, so. you know, for for me, I I'm think I, t I fully agree, and I think that it's probably what will happen at some point. Um, right now, it's just that I I don't really want to. I can't warrant spending the money for a net for another body that's that's. I mean, if it was a few hundred dollars, maybe, but a few <laughs> thousand, I'm I need to think about it more seriously. But knowing me, knowing my my character, what I would do is, I. Although I would say, yeah, well, you know, I can just drop this on. I can use a Metabones adapter and, and use my Canon lenses. I know that I'd end up getting drawn in. I'd go out and buy a nice Zeiss lens to go on it. And, a, and I'd start to build out the kit. And before I know it, I'd, I'd have two kits. And that's what I need to avoid. It just yeah. doesn't make financial sense for me. <laughs> that's what so they want you to I'm, do. I'm, yeah. res I'm resisting it more out of, um, you know, trying to resist the temptation more than, the, more than anything else. It's just financially at the moment doesn't make much sense for me. Um, yeah, I'm but, on the same same spot. Yeah. Do I really need it, right? Yeah. Right. Whether I want it or not is a different question. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know when I see those tiny. I mean, the cameras are so much smaller, and then you're going to put a big L lens on there. It's a bit mm. ridiculous. Why not use your your big Canon body then? Well, um, that's it. And, and I mean, so it doesn't make any sense. And I think it's actually uncomfortable to put a huge lens on a small camera body. Um, so yeah, if you're going mirrorless, then you might as well go with the, you know, get the lenses that go with it. Well, mm. yeah, but that, then you start to, I mean, the, the, the 200 to 400 millimeter lens, I reviewed it a couple of weeks ago on my website. 
It's got the 1.4 times adapter in it. It's it's an amazing lens. And if I'm, you know, and it, like I say, it cost me 12 grand. I'm not going to be just no. throwing that out. <laughs> Um, it's like I could have I could have bought a new car for that. That's or, right. But uh, so you know I'm I'm for me the investment's a big part of it. But also I mean that even the smaller Canons are they they're dwarfed by some of the bigger lenses that you use. So mm -hmm. that wouldn't worry to me too much. And I th I think um, you know like as as we were saying the uh, just as a second body a backup. You know sometimes you carry a second body just as a backup. So having something that you could that's much smaller and lighter to carry around with you um, is is an option as well. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a if it was if that's how people go, it would be more of a stepping stone than a a, a final solution. I think, but at least having the metabones and think and those kind of adapters gives people the option to move slowly because moving in one one leap is is not something that most people can afford to do. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah, I, I started selling. I sold a couple L lenses um, mm. recently. The ones that I I haven't been using much at all for the past couple of years, and and uh, I figure, well, you know, I might as well sell them now because eventually the market is gonna, you know, it's gonna get flooded with a lot of um, DSLR and and lenses. But um, but you're right. I mean, when you invest twelve thousand dollars in a lens, you're mm. definitely not gonna just jump to a different brand and a whole new system. That wouldn't make any sense. And and right. for you, the size of the camera really doesn't matter that much. Well, either. I mean, it's it would be nice to travel lighter yeah. without a doubt, but it's it's just going to be, I think we need to, a few a few things need to come on a little bit further first for me. Yeah. Um, but then I'll start to think about it. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not getting any younger either. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's kind of, kind of nice that the couple of times that I've had to use the, the, the 5D Mark II recently, I was like, ugh, yikes. It wasn't even fun, you know, and I, and and because I don't shoot for clients much anymore, I don't need to use it anymore. But, um, and I'm glad uh, it would be hard to use it on a daily basis. I just don't find as much enjoyment anymore that I've used a smaller, smaller camera. But um, yeah, no, you, you want you want to try taking um, taking the 200 to 400 and the <laughs> and the 70 to 200 and then, a, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm downsizing gradually uh, and I'm loving it. I mean, I can actually take out from 14 to, to 560 millimeters now in a 26 liter Gura Gear butterfly bag. And that's that's revolutionary for me, but it still weighs 15 kilograms. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm thinking, wow, this is great. I feel like a little nimble, you know, whatever today. You but can it's, run it's those hills. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can I can carry all of that stuff around a lot more easily now than I could before. But it's still heavy, you know, yeah. and it's when you when you're hiking up the side of a mountain with stuff like that. It's it's a know, lot of wear and every, tear. Every yeah. ounce. Yeah. Every ounce counts. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So uh, before we jump to story number three, I would like to thank another one of our sponsors for this episode of TWIP, and that is lynda.com. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. With Lynda, you can learn what you want, when you want, with high-quality video tutorials. Lynda.com gives you everything you need to improve your skills, including a variety of instruction. You can learn software, creative, business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. They've got over 2,000 courses and over 100,000 tutorials. Plus, they offer courses for all levels, and they add new courses each and every day. 
Lynda.com's courses are taught by industry experts and their instructors are accomplished professionals that are at the top of their fields and passionate about teaching. Plus, the courses are high-quality video productions. They're videos that are made in state-of-the-art studios. They use screenshots, narration, live action, smart boards, charts, graphics, and audio. You won't find any homemade YouTube videos on lynda.com. Plus, the courses are convenient. You can take the courses anytime from your computer, your tablet, or mobile device. And each lynda.com course is structured so that you can learn start to finish or just jump on in to find a quick answer. You can quickly search transcripts to easily find the information you're looking for, and all of this for one low monthly price of $25, and that gives you unlimited access to the entire course library. So you can start improving your skills today with a free seven-day trial, including unlimited access at lynda.com twip, and be sure to use that URL to show your support for This Week in Photo. Once again, that's lynda.com twip. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. And we'd like to thank lynda.com for their support of the show. lynda.com, what do you want to learn today? Story number three, Canon allegedly charging customers to repair known issues. So Canon Remorse has uh, reported that they got their hands on some internal documents from Canon that identify several known issues with their flagship body, the 1DX, as well as a few lenses in their lineup. So the site is reporting that Canon is still charging customers between $250 to $450 to fix this, it, these issues out of warranty, although there are known issues, but Canon has chosen, chosen not to report them to their consumers. So um, do you think Canon would have an obligation to inform customers about those known issues with their products and should they be covering those issues um, even if they are out of warranty because there are known problems with that that particular camera and uh, some of the lenses what do uh, so martin you're you're a 1dx user what are your mm. thoughts on this well, I, I actually called Canon yesterday. I, I wasn't able to get through to... I've got a couple of contacts here in Japan that I, I tried to call, but their phones were engaged. Um, and I I did get through to just the normal everyday customer services line, and they had not heard of the issue, um, and they, they said that they'd, they'd look into it and get back to me. I got a phone call three hours later, and they... They basically gave me a, a pretty weak answer, which was exactly what I was expecting them to do. And and they do have a point to a degree, but the, the, the specifications state that they only work down to, to zero cent Celsius centigrade, so a freezing point. 32 and Fahrenheit. So I, I told the, yeah. So I told the guy on the phone, I said, you know, you, what you're saying is like is suicide for Canon, basically, because... The majority of the people that buy these cameras are buying them because of their rugged weatherproofing. And that includes going down to ridiculously low temperatures. And I took my, I've, I constantly took my 1DS down to, I mean, I, I've had the 1DS at minus 35 to 37 or something like that, Celsius, um, which I believe is, is about minus eight Fahrenheit or something like that. Um, so I, I've constantly gone down to really low temperatures. I had the 1DX down, um, not for a really long time, but uh, for a couple of hours. I, I think 
you know, working through in my mind where I was with it over my winter tours, we were probably down to around minus 15 or so. Uh, the problems that people in the Canon Rumors forum are talking about was at minus 20. And I don't think I had my cat, my 1DX down at minus 20 for any length of time, if, if at all. Uh, this year it was warmer than usual. So I haven't run into the problem myself, but I, I called them and initially just said, okay, so there's this problem with the cameras. You know about the problem. Um, and you know to give the information to the listeners, apparently Canon have actually changed the part in the camera so that it doesn't happen anymore. So they've not, they're not only aware of the problem, they've got a fix. So any camera, any 1DX that was made after January 24, January 24 this year or 27 um, is already fixed. Now, that to me, you know, it says, to, you know, okay, recall. Uh, my automatic, ex, um, you know, thought was, okay, so they know there's a problem, they've got a new part for it, it's a recall. But what they're going to do and what the guy on the phone to me yesterday did, they got back to me and literally I, I said this three times and he gave me the same answer every time. The, ca the cameras are only supposed to work down to minus, uh, down to freezing point. And so I'm, although I'm saying, look, you know, you, if you hold me to that or I have got to sell all of my gear in, and, and I'm talking a lot of money's worth of Canon gear, I said, because, you know, that I, I have, most of my photography, I'm in Antarctica, I'm in um, in Iceland, I'm in uh, Hokkaido in Japan here, where we get, like I say, down to minus 35 sometimes. And the major until now, all of my Canon 1 series bodies have worked. And if all of a sudden I'm going to be in a position where I can be somewhere with a group of photographers that are looking to me, uh, you know, as their tour leader, and, and then all of a sudden my cameras don't work, it's not going to look good for, for Canon, but also it's going to stop me from shooting. And so I said, you basically, if you if you if that's the stance, you are going to be holding not just myself, but you know, probably hundreds of thousands of other 1DS users to, and basically, uh, you're holding us at ransom, if you like. You know, so yeah. So what what they've what they've got to do is I, I I gave them an option, and I was probably talking to, like I say, I couldn't get through to any of my contacts. And I was talking to a guy on the on the customer services team. He obviously went away and asked someone before he got back to me. It took him three hours to get back to me. Um, but and, and it was only then that I told him that I would be talking about this on Twip today. Um, and of course, he's in Japan. He doesn't know what Twip is. But um, he he had a chance. I said, you know, I'm going to be talking about this at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. If you want to go and talk to someone else in, in you know, someone higher up, and get back to me with a different answer, you've got until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. And they didn't call back. So, you know, their stance at the moment is, you know, the cameras are only supposed to work down to zero. And and if you want to do any more than that, he, he said, uh, yeah, normally, though, if people if people go take these cameras to uh, colder places, normally what they have to do is have them changed to support cold places. And what he's talking about, I mean, old film cameras, they used to take the grease out of them. Uh, the the Arctic and Antarctic explorers, when they took cameras down there, they used to have the grease taken out of the cameras because it would freeze up. Mm -hmm. um, but nobody does that anymore. Um, you know, maybe some of the people that are uh, going down to really like minus 50, minus 60, maybe those guys are still doing that. But the, there's a lot of people traveling at the moment with, with this sort of camera that daily 
take them down to minus 20, minus 30. And so far, they've all just worked. And so, you know, it's sad that Canon... I, I, I understand what they're saying. They're going to try and get out of this. But I think that uh, if they've got a part, they should be they should be doing either doing a recall or at least make it known that uh, they they know there's an issue. And if you're going to be going to places where you're going to be down below, say, minus 20, then come in and we'll change the part for you free of charge. Uh, and that that's what they need to do to make this right. That that's that's my opinion as well. I mean, that just seems absurd that they they would charge to fix that. So now, what actually happens to the One DX when it reaches twenty below? It, it, it stops. It stops it focusing basically. Oh, okay. Well, well, they they there's a part. Um, if you go to the CanonRumors.com website, there's a there's a page there. It's got a couple of. It shows you the new part and the old one. Um, and apparently there's like a there's a a stopper that goes past something as it probably as the camera gets cold the the size of a certain lever or something actually uh, shrinks and then it goes past a little stopper that and then it's it looks as though it gets wedged behind it and so autofocus just stops working totally yeah um so you know it, it seems as though if i was standing over a over a, a, a waterhole waiting for a penguin to come out and, <laughs> and jump towards the camera, then I'm, I'm, I'm screwed basically because yeah, uh, yeah. the camera's gonna, the camera's not gonna. Obviously, I mean, I can pre-focus and I can do all sorts of things, but that's beside the point. Uh, if I'm going to be in a cold place, which which the majority of my photography is, I need I need to rely on the cameras. That's why I spend five six thousand dollars on a on a one series body. That's mm. you know, if I can't rely on that, that's ridiculous. You need the one DXC. For cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Jeffrey, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, obviously, in line, in line with, with, with both of you guys, because um, they certainly need to address it and address it in, in the most advantageous, advantageous way for the consumer uh, and replace the parts or service them free of charge and, and not be like, oh, well, gee, it's out of warranty. And, oh, yeah, we kind of know about it, but um, but it's out of warranty. Yeah. And that, that's certainly not right. And if you, you know, have been following it all this this uh, recall issue with uh, General Motors, you know, they they knew for years, uh, I don't know, maybe ten years, that this part in this particular uh, series of cars was bad, and they decided not to change it, and it's brought them a lot of trouble. So, um, obviously, no one's dying from their camera not being in focus, but um, I, I think they need to handle it in in that sort of upright way and say that uh, we need to to recall the cameras uh, and re replace the parts free of charge, and there's no other way around it. Yeah. Mm. Good. Yeah, well, it's... hopefully Canon is, is listening somewhere mm -hmm. and um, they're going to wake up and uh, take care of their people. Um, yeah, you can't let your customers down like that. That's ridiculous, especially when you spend that kind of money. Why would you spend an extra $450 to fix something that should not even be broken in the first place? So, yeah. Right. Okay, now it's time for our listener Q&A. And this is where we answer a question that has been at the top of some of our listeners' mind. And today it's a question by Janice Ko from our Google Plus community page. So her question is as follows. I currently own a Canon 60D, which I have been using for the past two, three years, and I love the Canon lens and camera. 
I'm really thinking of adding a compact body for everyday use and travel. She must be a customer. She must be a uh, workshop. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like it's the common thread in all, for all my workshop students. <laughs> they have a, a, a DSLR, but they're thinking of going smaller. Mm -hmm. um, I find over time, I'm less likely to take my Canon DSLR unless it's a specific shoot for a friend or an event. Or I'm in, uh, or if I'm traveling on holidays, I love the retro look of the Fuji cameras, and I'm thinking of getting a mid-range Fuji um, XE2. However, I'm also um, uh, tested out. I've also tested out my friend's OM-D EM5, and I quite like that. I can't decide which one to get. What are the pros and cons of each? And can you guys help? So can we help, Janice? Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey, what are your thoughts on this? Well, again, it's uh, interesting that uh, obviously this this mirrorless topic keeps keeps coming up for yep. a reason. Um, <laughs> and actually, just yesterday, I, I have a student um, visiting here for about two weeks from um, Edmonton, um, uh, a Frenchman, <laughs> and he happened to have this uh, this Fuji XE2 mm -hmm. uh, camera with him. And so that was the first time I got to handle it, and it was uh, I was very impressed with how quickly when you put the camera up to your eye to look through the the viewfinder. Uh, which is also an electronic viewfinder, uh, you know, it turns off the display on the back. I guess a lot of the cameras do this, but it turns off the LCD display on the back and then you're looking through the viewfinder and then you pull your eye away and then you can immediately see the, the view, the uh, image on the, uh, the viewfinder through the LCD. And I think that that sort of flexibility is really nice because there are times when you're shooting outdoors where the, uh, the LCD is, is not um, readily visible in bright sunlight so you can use the, the viewfinder. Uh, but also the camera uh, focused extremely quickly and I didn't look at the files on uh, the computer, but I looked at them on the back of the camera. And I thought the, you know, the auto white balance was really straight, just as, as good as it could be. Um, now, I haven't handled the OMD, but um, I believe Frederick may have a camera like that, I think. I think he has one of these OMD yeah. mirrorless cameras. Um, yeah, and I'm a Fuji shooter, but I shoot the X100S, so I okay. don't know the XE2, but everybody um, that I know has has used that Fuji XE2 is just in love with it. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that's uh, for sure is, is a great camera, um, but so is the OMD. It seems right. like there yeah. are two camps, but um, Martin, have you used either one of those? Um, I've, I've had a play with a friend's OMD and, and it, I like uh, Jeff was saying, you know, that I really do. I was impressed with the speed of the, uh, of the, the autofocus and they they handle nice, but I think the key part about this um, in Janice's question is that she loves the retro look of the Fuji cameras, mm. um, and I I don't think it's so much an issue of of size. I mean, the 60D is only about a centimeter each each on each dimension larger than than the OMD or the or, or than the Fuji. So you know, it's once you put a lens on that. It's. I think that you know she's already got a certain amount of portability with a 60D. Um, if without the ba a battery pack on it, um, it's not a huge camera anyway. So, but the thing is, is that you can't deny the fact that these cameras look cool. They are that, and I I love the retro look as well. And I think if I was gonna, if I was a street photographer like like you over over there, Valerie, I I, uh, I think that I would probably be all over these cameras. They, they just look cool on your shoulder. Um, but they're very, very capable cameras as well. It's not just, it's not just a retro look. The cam, all of the insides are, are coming around. They're turning into really, really usable cameras. So I, uh, I think, you know, whether it's 
regardless of whether she's using a, a 60D at the moment, if you want to get into the system, just choose one and go for it. No. Um, which one? I mean, I, I, either of these, I would say, is is fine. Uh, but, you know, that I, I, I don't use any of them myself, so I can't say this is the one. But the one that I have played with an OMD, and I thought it was great, as Valerie was saying, she, she knows people with the XE2, and everyone's happy with it. I don't think you can go wrong. You just need to figure... Probably the bigger thing here to look at was whether you can easily add the lenses that you need to the system. Um, you know, if you need something ultra wide, is there something better for one system than the other? Or if you like to go a bit longer, do you do you maybe need something, um, you know, a certain one that's got a, a longer, more available lens? Or I know that most of them you can switch and change around pretty easily. So just uh, make sure that you can get the range of lenses that you need for this as as much as the actually looking at the body itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and see, yeah, see how it feels too, because I mean the learning curve bet- from the Canon. I was using the 5D Mark II when I got the Fuji X100S, and mm. it was so foreign to me at first. Um, now it's so comfortable. You know, you use a, a system for a long time. You're used to Canon. You can you can do everything with your eyes closed. You know where those buttons are. You know exactly what you, you need to do. And and so when I, I went out with the Fuji the first few times with the with the instruction manual, and that's somebody who never reads instruction manual. So, <laughs> but, but really, I was lost at first. Mm. Uh, so it, it takes up getting used to, and one may seem more, more natural than the other. So she may want to try the the fuji before she makes a decision because it sounds like she's already tried the omd uh so possibly rent one for a couple days i mean those are they're not cheap cameras so it may be worth renting for a weekend and and get a good feel for it um as well because um i think they both have uh, a viewfinder the omd Mm. does have a viewfinder right or Um, or is it just i think it's probably got an optional one okay Um, but that's a big one too I'm not sure. Um, you know what? I'm not sure if it does or not, but I know that it has a viewfinder, but I'm not sure if it was an option or built okay. in. Yeah. Um, but it's it works really well. I mean, it's 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 not a, an optical viewfinder, of course. It's uh, it's an electronic one, but mm-hmm. it's it was it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Because that's something too. I never thought I could live without one, and I barely ever use it now. So um, there again, I did not want to get a mirrorless camera without the viewfinder. And mm. um, and after a while, it's like I, I don't, you know, especially for street photography, it's so much more convenient not to put the camera in front of your, your face, anyways. So, um, so I don't, I don't even use that much anymore. So, um, I think you have to be, uh, yeah, be ready for a, a learning curve. But and and if it's just the look that's gonna make the decision, well, let it, let it be the the way it looks. If you like that retro look, go for it. You know, at that point, they're both really good camera. One is not going to be much better than the other, mm-hmm. I don't think. So, yeah, then, then, then the look, then the look matters, <laughs> I think, yeah. and that's okay. Um, mm. So, sometimes well, good if you luck. like the look of it, you're going to end up using it more. So some, that's right. That, if you look cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, good luck, Janice, and let us know what you pick. Um, so, before we jump into the picks of the week. Uh, we would like to thank another one of our sponsors for this episode of TWIP, and that is Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP4. 
And remember, the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, you can tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. Now, if you'd like to try out Squarespace, you can start a free trial with no credit card. You can start building your website today. Then, if you decide to purchase or sign up for Squarespace, just be sure to use the offer code TWIP4, and they'll knock 10% off, and you'll be showing your support for This Week in Photo. And we'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of the show. Remember, Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay, guys, uh, picks of the week. And that's uh, where uh, each one of our guests picks a photography-related anything, basically. It can be a product, it can be a book, um, or a software, whatever. So, Martin, what uh, what is your pick of the week this uh, this week? So, I... I've um, I've been spending a lot of time over this last well over the last few months, but um, really concentrating over this last week on uh, testing a a new system, a new service. I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, but uh, Art Storefronts is a a new a new service that is it's basically going to enable people to it, they've all, they've gone out of beta. They're they're now working, um, and anyone can go along and sign up, but. Uh, what they do is basically they give you the ability to to create a, a beautiful looking photography website. But um, the important thing, I mean, I I use I use um, WordPress. I'm also a, a a big proponent of Squarespace. Some of the sponsor the one of the sponsors of of this week in photography as well. Um, they're great and they give you a lot of um, a lot of functionality, including e-commerce. But one of the things that uh, art storefronts are doing that is totally different to an, any other service that I've seen so far is um, they're they're using not exclusively you can you can self fulfill on orders print orders uh, but you they're they're using breathing color media a lot of the for m most of their their fulfillment which is uh, basically world class it's the best really media that you can buy in my opinion. Um, they're using all of the breathing color products, but then they, because they're so closely linked to the breathing color media that they that they're selling, uh, they have got the you've got the ability to actually do an instant mock-up of your images on all of the different types of media, uh, including the gallery wraps and things like that. So when someone comes and looks at your image, if they if they say, oh this is a nice image, I think I'll take a look at how much is this going to be, they'll they'll move along through the process. And it automatically creates uh, a mock-up on the screen of how it looks, and you've got a wall preview so that you can you can see what it will like on a wall with a sofa below it, um, change the sizes and everything. And it's a, it's turning out to be a really really good system, and it's the first system of of its kind that's got me interested, and in, and that's why I'm helping them with a bit of testing and stuff. But um, this is it's really just uh, it's something that I'm supporting. I'm going to be doing a review on my website over the next few weeks as well. And, uh, but I, yeah, I, I really enjoy this. So I wanted to just recommend it. Um, you can go to artstorefronts.com or if you want to let them know that I sent you, which I'd appreciate, use the, the short code mbp.ac slash ASF, artstorefronts. And that'll show, that'll tell them that Martin sent you. Awesome, thank you. Sounds good. 
And you want to remind uh, the link to your uh, your pigment to pixel oh, pixel to pigment workshop, Martin. Yeah, um, yeah. That again. That's that's at mvp.ac/p2p. If you're interested in the Tokyo um, pixels to pigment workshops. Awesome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. What's your pick? Uh, I just picked something that um, I actually ordered uh, for myself just today, so I haven't received it yet. But um, it's getting uh, very good reviews. It's um, a piece of computer equipment called uh, by Lassie. It's the uh, the new Lassie Little Big Disk uh, for Thunderbolt 2. Mm -hmm. And I'm anticipating getting the new uh, Mac Pro once it finally starts shipping. They keep delaying the shipping date. Um, but this little external, uh, it's an external hard drive uh, set up, and it's... Um, uh, SSD or, or flash-based storage, and the way it's set up is two, uh, two 500 gigabyte um, separate drives within the one enclosure, and it's meant to be, from what I've read, um, actually faster than the internal storage that you can get built into the Mac Pro. Um, wow. I'm not sure how they accomplished that, but uh, they're saying it's um, up to 1,375 megabits per second over Thunderbolt 2 which is just blazing speed. So uh, it's really going to be great for people who do video uh, just because you can, you can configure it in different ways as RAID 0 or RAID, or RAID 1 or in the old uh, JBOD, just a bunch of disks. Um, so it's um, looking forward to it just for, just for speed. I, you know, the files I work with are, are pretty large. Um, just one 16-bit full-frame file or full-res file is over 300 megabytes, and then you start layering them together in Photoshop, and it gets gets pretty substantial very quickly. So just, just the read-write speed is what I'm looking forward to, even for still photography. And um, it's not inexpensive. The list price is $1,300. But uh, I think for the speed and convenience, and it's also quite small, um, which for me is nice. So if I were you know, headed out on a trip somewhere, and right now I copy everything to a one terabyte, um, not everything, but I, you know, all my current uh, jobs for the last three or four months, I copy onto one terabyte. Uh, external drive anyway and bring that with me and this thing is so small that I could just unplug it and throw it in my bag um, and everything else is backed up otherwise so it would be just another layer of uh, convenience and speed that would be great to have on the road too so um, check it out they're a little hard to get uh, at this point but uh, but uh, cause I think they're pretty popular but that's like seven to ten days to get one so far so cool. um, yeah I'm looking forward to the speed of it it'll be great Thank mm -hmm. you, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And uh, my pick of the week is actually very inexpensive <laughs> compared mm -hmm. to uh, to the Thunderbolt. Um, and it's a Gordy camera strap. Everybody always asks me, oh, what's that camera strap, that uh, wrist strap that you have on your little Fuji? And uh, it's actually made in the US. It's leather and um, it's made by the guy. I assume his name is Gordy. I'm not even sure. But um, he actually started making them because he couldn't find a camera strap that he liked, so he started making those. And they're made out of leather. And um, he also makes neck straps and so forth. And the, the wrist strap is actually only $20, which if you if you look at all the accessories now for the those really cool retro cameras, they can be so expensive. So that's probably mm. one of the cheapest accessories you can get for your uh, for your your cool little uh, mirrorless camera. So Gordy's <laughs> camera strap, and I'll put the link on the show notes. Yeah, it looks really nice. Pretty yeah, simple. they're really simple, and they're actually a little stiff at first, but um, once you use it quite a few times, um, it gets to be a lot softer. But they're definitely, um, they're not going anywhere <laughs> very solid. I have a hard time let it, you know, not holding my camera in my hand and just having it hang from the strap. Mm -hmm. But with this strap, I'm, I'm not nervous about it. So uh, that means 
but it's uh, it's solid. So. Well, I find too, and not that I'm a, a street photographer like you are, but when I'm walking around on vacation or whatever, um, I I take you know, even just my long you know neck strap and I'll I'll wrap it around my hand because I don't really like feeling like I have a camera strapped around my body because it just sort of says oh, like there's a tourist or there's a photographer mm-hmm. or there's somebody with a camera. So I I sort of make a makeshift wrist, wrist strap just so I can keep the camera in my hand and keep it a little less conspicuous. That's right, and I always have my I always have the finger on the shutter. Um, Mm-hmm. Anyways, because I need to keep it ready to shoot, so I don't want it to fall asleep or anything. So, um, so it's always in my hand, and so that's why actually I I rarely let it dangle from the strap. But if I do, uh, I know it's it's safe with this this strap. So Gordy's mm-hmm. camera strap, and uh, well, this brings us to the end of another episode of Twip. and I want to thank our sponsors, FreshBooks, Squarespace, and Lynda.com. So, Martin, where can uh, our listeners go to find you if they don't already know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, everything's at martinbaileyphotography.com. Awesome. Thank you. Jeffrey? Thank you. Um, my website's best. It's uh, just jeffreytotero.com, uh, and I'm also on Twitter at, at Jeffrey Totero. Great. And for me, it's valeriejardinphotography.com. That's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, photography, all in one word. And be sure to visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com. And if you want to touch base with what Frederick has been up to, uh, he's in Vegas right now, uh, you can find him at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that landscape off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>